0: Hello, my name is Jacob Fenston. Welcome to this podcast produced by the International Monetary Fund. In the 1930s, international trade collapsed as world leaders took up protectionary policies in the face of the Great Depression. But by the end of World War II, it was clear these policies had worsened the effects of the Depression. So in response, in July of 1944, delegates from around the world met for three weeks in Bretton Woods, New Hampshire in the United States to hammer out a new framework for international cooperation and to avoid repetition of the destructive protectionism of the past. The agreement signed at the end of that historic three-week conference led to the creation of the International Monetary Fund and the International Bank for Reconstruction and Development, the precursor to the World Bank. But the details of exactly what happened during those negotiations weren't made public until recently. Kurt Schuler, an economist at the United States Treasury, was poking around in an out-of-the-way
1: section of the Treasury Library. And then I noticed that a couple of shelves away, there was a section marked uncatalogued material. So I looked through it. I came across some bound black volumes. He'd stumbled upon a copy of the original transcripts of the Bretton Woods
0: meetings, apparently one of only three copies in existence. These documents are rich in detail about the birth of the IMF and the World Bank, but they were never intended for public release,
1: and over the years, they disappeared into dust-covered obscurity. Okay, these are the bound volumes of the transcripts from the Bretton Woods Conference. There are there are four volumes. Um, the biggest, fattest one is for Commission One, which was about the IMF. The heavy black volumes are still in the Treasury
0: Library, still dusty, Still with bindings and disrepair, Schuler says when he came across the documents, he was a bit surprised.
1: I was not aware of any conference transcripts that had been published. So I went and did a little bit of research in the collected works of John Maynard Keynes, who was at the conference. Uh, Keynes is the most thoroughly researched economist of the 20th century in terms of his life. And and he also, of course, uh, was maybe the most influential, certainly one of the few most influential economists of the century, So when I saw some remarks by him in the transcripts, I thought, well, if this is already known, then because, you know, because it's Keynes and somebody who had published a biography of Keynes or published an article on Keynes would already have included a reference to it. And when I did a research in the biographies and other material about Keynes, I found that there was not such a reference. So that's when I was pretty sure that it was almost unknown. And these transcripts weren't originally intended to be made public. Why was that? To preserve the candid spirit of the conference, and also to avoid having delegates make a lot of grandstanding speeches, which would waste time. The transcripts, as you said, were never intended to be released, and so that's one of the things that makes them valuable, is that we can see what the delegates said when they were not expecting their words to be quoted by somebody else. So for the most part, they were speaking pretty frankly to each other. There's been a lot written about Bretton Woods in the past 70 years. Uh, What do you think we learned by looking at the original transcripts? Of course, we knew a long time ago how the conference ended. We got the IMF and the World Bank agreements. So the what of the conference is not new. But what's new in the transcripts is you get an understanding for how the delegates proceeded more depth on what their motivations were and why they wanted or opposed certain provisions that appeared or did not appear in the final agreements for the IMF and the World Bank. I think it's also valuable because it shows you how a very successful international conference was run, and, and there have not been very many conferences held ever that have been as successful in their outcome as the Bretton Woods Conference.
0: Right, and it's still seen as sort of a, a high point of in the history of diplomacy as something that was very successful. What do you think we learn
1: about that, that process of of how it happened and how it was so successful? One important thing to remember is that Bretton Woods was not a standalone conference. It was the culmination of about three years of thinking, writing, and negotiation, at first between the U.S. and Britain, but later including a wider group of countries. And in fact, there was a preliminary conference just before Bretton Woods at, at Atlantic City, New Jersey, where the delegates, came up with the draft agreements for the IMF and the World Bank. So one lesson is you can't just have a conference for three weeks without any preparation and expect it to produce these uh, kind of uh, impressive results that the Bretton Woods Conference did. Another lesson that I draw was that the conference was genuinely multilateral. That is, the United States and Britain had the most important positions because they were the biggest economies. But you know, even countries that were quite small and could not expect to uh, have a lot of influence on their own, had influence at the conference because they had very astute delegates, so for instance, there were delegates from Norway, Greece, and the Netherlands, among others who were you know who were very sharp, who influenced the way that other delegates, including from the u s and Britain, saw things and changed the course of of the debate
0: and can you um talk about any other examples of you know ways that the documents shed light on? how the negotiations actually
1: happened and and what different nations uh, brought to it that that we might not have known before. To me, the single most impressive thing about the IMF and the World Bank agreements is how they managed to balance the interests of the large and small countries. Rather than every country having one vote, there is a weighted voting system. Rather than every country having a say in the day-to-day management of the fund or the, the World Bank, there's a group of executive directors which is you know, smaller than the, the overall Board of Governors. Certain decisions have to be taken by the supermajority. So all those things and some others were responses for international organizations that really had not been used before, you know, either at all or in that way. And I think they contribute to the continuing influence of the IMF and the World Bank because those procedures have been found to be very durable. And so in the transcripts, you can see the delegates talking about them and talking about what should the basis for quotas be, for instance, how should majority voting work, what should the basis of representation on the board of executive directors be. You can see how they were thinking about these things and forging something that was really new in the history of international organizations. And and you've spent a lot of time with these transcripts, putting together an 800-page book. You've also
0: made available digitized copies of the original transcripts. Why do you think it's important for the public to have access to this?
1: We are still living in the Bretton Woods era. So even though it was almost 70 years ago, Bretton Woods marked a change from the way that things were done before. I would say that we are still benefiting from the spirit of cooperation that was first manifested in in a concrete way at Bretton Woods. So despite many bumps along the way, the world has moved since Bretton Woods towards more open trade and greater freedom of movement for investment. That doesn't look like it's going to stop any time in the near future either. So not only are we living in the Bretton Woods era now still, but for the foreseeable future, it looks like we're still going to be there. So that's why I think that understanding what happened at the conference is quite important. That was economist Kurt Schuler with the United States Treasury. He's also a senior fellow in
0: financial history at the nonprofit Center for Financial Stability, which has published a new ebook of the Bretton Woods transcripts co-edited by Schuler. To hear more podcasts, visit us online at www.imf.org/podcasts.